chapter 2 and just kind of reviewing with you here in chapter 2 and verse number 1 the Bible tells us therefore we ought to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard you remember we have said time and time again that therefore is there for this reason he says give more earnest heed to the preceding things which he's just given in chapter 1 and all through chapter 2 we see a full description of who God is particularly at the beginning of the chapter we've seen who God's son is Jesus Christ uh, we've seen uh, that we're to give more earnest heed to God's son we've seen we're to give more earnest heed to God's creation Remember in verse 4 through verse 14 of chapter 1, the Bible tells us that God's creation, an example in creation which he's given to us, is concerning the angels. And God says, as though the angels uh, have been created unique to all other creation, God says that um, uh, we are to give more earnest heed to not the angels, but to God's creation in and of itself. God is the one who's created them. God is more is better than we've been using that word better and understanding that really is kind of the key uh, word you could say of the entire book as a whole God is better than the angels God is uh, better than and we see the description in chapter 2 of God's salvation were to give more earnest heed to his salvation we looked at verse 3 of chapter 2 where the Bible says how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation we should not neglect it in our mind as a Christian Yes, we've already received it in our heart, but we can neglect it in our mind. Remember, we shared before how that even in the armor of God, when we place on that helmet of salvation, that we're encompassing our very mind with the salvation of God, that we would not forget uh, what God has given to us is the most powerful and the important thing in all the world. And the Bible tells us in the comparison given of God to man and who God is, the Bible says in verse 6, but... Uh, one in a certain place testified chapter 2 verse 6 but one in a certain place testified saying what is man that thou art mindful of him we are nothing before God amen we are unworthy before God uh, and this is the what the writer himself and we have concluded very likely as Paul in the in much of the comparison that is made we don't know that for fact but we've uh, through the references and the um, similar quotations compared to his other epistles it very much seems for a fact that it is he who's written. But nonetheless, the writer is telling us, what is man that thou art mindful uh, of him? We are unworthy before God. And so he tells us God is, verse 10, the captain of our salvation. And the Bible tells us that um, uh, he, verse 17 of chapter 2, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. And we see that, uh, high priest reference given here in chapter 2 and we'll continue to see that as it follows last week we were in chapter 3 together and um, understand again we use the divisions to help ourselves the divisions themselves are not inspired so the process of thinking of the writer is only but continuing with the thought from chapter 2 to chapter 3 he's not now beginning necessarily on a new subject the chapters are only there to help us to find uh, but notice, however, at the beginning of chapter 3 that he gives us another uh, key word where he says, wherefore. Similar to that word of therefore at the beginning of chapter 2, he says, therefore, give more earnest heed to these things. But in chapter 3, he says, wherefore, holy brethren, now that you've given more earnest heed, understand this. And he continues in verse 1 of chapter 3, holy brethren, 
partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest, there it is again, of our profession, Christ Jesus. And so the, we talked about last week that spiritual unity which we have with the Savior. The Bible tells us that uh, we are partakers of the heavenly calling. We, we looked in John 15 last week at uh, how that the Bible tells us we are to be abiding in Christ. God is the uh, vine and we are the branches. It's not a vine in a tree separated relationship. It's a vine in a branch connected relationship. We are one with Christ. We are unified with Christ. And so there is a spiritual unity which we have in Christ. And I gave to you two keys and we're looking and, and continuing of that third, but let me give you those two keys to a strong unity with God. We looked at these last week. Uh, we said first, we need to consider the very person of God. And that's why verse 1 uh, and down uh, through verse number 5, we see the very person of God given in the description of his person. Um, and the comparison, you remember, is being made to that of Moses. Just looking at a couple verses here so we can... Um, remember where we left off, verse 5, And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. So Moses being the leader of the children of Israel at that time, the Bible tells us that God himself was, is better than Moses. Remember we discussed last week that there were many of the people during that time that would have uh, considered Moses to be of such great um, uh, admiration uh, because uh, of the law and the Ten Commandments and all those things. And so many, even in the New Testament that we read about, they were still holding and believing the law before the, the whole word of God. And God says, uh, uh, beyond just God's word in itself, we have God himself who's better than. We have a relationship with him. We're unified. We're one with him. And so we understand that God is better than Moses himself. And that description given in verse 5 says Moses was faithful in all his house. Well, we have a faithful God also, amen? And our God, who's, uh, who's preparing a place in heaven for all of those who have received him by faith and trust in him, the Bible tells us that our God is a faithful God, amen? So God says consider his person uh, in all that he is. We discussed his faithfulness. We discussed his worthiness, his servanthood, his testimony. And we see that all throughout this passage. And then in verse six, down through verse number, uh, verse six down through verse number twelve, we see uh, how that we must consider our relationship with God. And the Bible tells us in verse six, but Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we? There we go again. We are one with Christ. We are partakers of the heavenly calling. In verse one, and the Bible tells us in continuing. Uh, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? And we talked about that uh, holding fast and confidence is, is um, referencing our speech. And so we talked about, remember, that boldness of speech and then that boasting of our speech. At the end of verse 6, the Bible says rejoicing of the hope. So we are holding fast by our very words we're speaking boldly holding fast to what we know to be true and we're boasting through our mouths and rejoicing of all that god is uh, because of who he's been in our life remember consider your relationship or our relationship with god 
And so we've seen our speech in verse 6. Look at verse uh, 7 through verse 11. The Bible says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the days of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with the generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. I want you to take a special note to that verse 11, because when we get into chapter 4, we're going to see that reference again, my rest. All of chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, references multiple times the rest which we receive in God. And he's now begun on the subject concerning, yes, Moses, but his leadership over the children of Israel uh, and their lack of faith in God, their lack of trusting in God. Remember their 40 years of having to wander in wilderness. Why was that? Because of their unbelief. Caleb and Joshua came back with that report, and they did not believe the two men, but rather they believed the ten men, right? And uh, the Bible tells us that because of their unbelief, they were uh, told to wander into the wilderness. And so we see in verse 6, our speech is to be of boldness, is to be of boasting. And the end of verse 6 tells us how long? Until the end. We're to continue to speak of Christ all throughout our life. And we see our faith in verse 7 is reminded that we're to have faith in God as that of what the children of Israel did not have. So we must have in God himself. Verse 6 all the way down through verse 11, that reference to their unbelief. They hardened their hearts. Remember we talked about that day of provocation, the day in which they provoked the Lord to anger. They did not believe in God as they should have. And so we've seen uh, concerning ourselves, our speech, our faith. And then we left off last week with our example in verse 13. The Bible says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And that word exhort, uh, has, it means to encourage, to strengthen, to comfort. And we understand that as a Christian, according to this verse, how much or uh, how uh, the time in which we are to be exhorting others is to be daily. We're to be exhorting others daily. And then we see the urgency of uh, exhorting others. The Bible says, while it is called today. As long as you live in a day which you can call it today, the Bible says, you must go forward in being the example of Christ and exhorting one another daily. And the Bible tells us give, and gives us that reason for exhorting. Uh, the Bible says in verse 13, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The Bible tells us if God is truly doing a work in your life, then the way that you will be living it out by your example will be clear evidence of the work that God is doing. And so God says, consider your own relationship with God because when others see you, do they see Christ? When others saw the children of Israel at this point in time, all they could see was unbelief. They, they provoked God to anger because they refused to believe that God would bring them safely into the promised land. And so we continue now to verse 14 of where we left off. The Bible says, for we are made partakers of Christ. There's that reference again, that spiritual unity which we have with the Savior. Verse 1, we're called partakers of the heavenly calling. 
And then in verse 6, we see that uh, we are part of that house of God, uh, verse 5 and verse 6. And then we see in uh, verse 14, the Bible tells us, once again, we are partakers of Christ. That's no small thing, amen? We have a relationship, a oneness with Christ, amen? That's, that's a great thing. The Bible tells us uh, that we are those, we are those partake, partakers. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Listen to this. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so Peter himself is referencing that we are partakers with Christ. We are one with Christ. And uh, we have now a new life in Christ, a new nature in Christ. And notice in verse 14, we see a principle of uh, per persevering, the principle uh, to persevere. In verse 14, it says, if we hold, we are partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Now, don't misunderstand this verse. The Bible is not telling us that uh, if you do not hold or, or, or if your confidence is stead not steadfast in the end, then you're not a Christian. The Bible is simply making reference to this very fact that those who are partakers are doing these things. God himself said, by your fruit, ye shall know them. Amen? And so we understand in verse 14 when the Bible says, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, we see our consideration of our own testimony. We saw first considering the person of God, considering our relationship with God, and then our testimony of God. There is a principle here to persevere. And that word steadfast, uh, the Bible says we are to keep going. Don't stop. Keep forward. Stay faithful. Stay at it. Keep trusting the Lord. Don't let yourself become unfaithful as the children of Israel in the day of provocation, the Bible tells us. And so we see that confidence or that foundation uh, that's referenced to in verse 14 is speaking of the salvation which we have in God. The Bible says persevere salvation is a sure foundation amen salvation is a sure foundation and that's what we have in christ and so the writer here is telling us that we should embrace this very fact that we should we should continue on that we should stay faithful romans chapter 8 in verse number one the bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. How do we stay steadfast unto the end? The Bible tells us that we walk after the Spirit, not according to our flesh. So we see that principle of persevering. The Bible tells us then the measure of perseverance. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. There that reference is once again. We're staying at it all the way into the end. As we mentioned a moment ago, how in, in verse six, how long are we to hold fast the confidence of rejoicing of the hope that how long are we to do that unto the end all throughout your life? How long is it to happen all all day? How long at, at, moment by moment uh, as long as it is called today? The Bible tells us and so that we see in verse 14 unto the end once again um, notice in verse 15 we see the trial of perseverance the trial of perseverance. The Bible says, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, 
Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom sweared he that they should not enter into his, what's that next word? Rest. But to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. We see that reference made, once again, to the rest in God. And we're coming into that uh, next transition as he begins to give us another therefore in chapter 4. But um, understand that trial of perseverance. Look at verse 15 and how that it says, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. No one said that the Christian life is going to be easy to continue to believe and trust in God. If you haven't already noticed here in chapter 3, this is the second time in a number of verses where he makes reference to the children of Israel who provoked God and they, had, they did not have belief. And so the writer is trying to help us understand, hey, as you are part, a partaker of the heavenly calling, you have a spiritual unity with the Savior. These things should be true in your life that you are considering the person of God, that you are considering your relationship with God, and that you are considering your testimony of God. God gives us the principle to persevere. Verse 14, he gives us the measure of persevering until the end. And then the trial of perseverance helps us to understand all the way through the remaining of this chapter that the trial is to keep believing. Uh, what happens in the Christian life is something takes place, a trial, a struggle, a difficulty, something we don't understand. And it's up to us as Christians to choose to believe that God is going to bring us through. Amen? Let me bring you another example. When God has the opportunity to bless us, maybe it's in a ministry of Community Bible Church, maybe it's in your own family, but God gives you the opportunity to bless through something. Are you believing that God will bring the blessing? Amen? I mean, how many times do we see through the very lives of the children of Israel, they lost the very blessing of God? I mean, you stop alone at their, their uh, loss in being able to go to the promised land. That was a clear blessing of God, which they looked past. And what did they simply choose not to do? They couldn't believe that God could bring them out of it. They couldn't believe that God would bring them out of it. And so we see that reference made again, that they should not enter into his rest. There is a rest that God intended to bring them to. There is a rest that God intends for all people upon this earth to be brought into. And the Bible tells us that it's up to us as, as his part of his creation to um, uh, allow ourselves to put our faith and trust in him and be a part of that rest. So uh, we've seen now here the spiritual unity which we have with the Savior, but chapter 3 continues along this thought of this rest. Notice we're going to see more reference to, the, to this wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel. The Bible says at the beginning of chapter 4, let us therefore fear, lest a promise bring uh, left us of entering into what? His rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. 
For we which have believed do enter into what? Rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath. If they shall enter into my what? Rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the, of the world. Verse 4, it's okay to respond to me. That's okay. Here we go. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of what? Unbelief. There it is again. Verse 7. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in, in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them what? Rest. Then, he, uh, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same ensample of what? Unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open in the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast the profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I would encourage you as you get the time, maybe in your own Bible study and reading, go back through it. Maybe you did it when we read through it this time. Mark those words, rest, all the way through that chapter. Underline them, circle them, whatever you have to do. Uh, it, maybe if you do mark your Bible, look back at these verses if you would with me. And we'll slow down here a bit, but I'm just giving you the overview of, of this chapter. In verse 1, the Bible tells us, let us therefore, what's the, that next word? Fear, the Bible tells us. There's one of the... One of the first things we see, let us therefore fear. Look at down at verse 11. The Bible says, let us, what? Labor, therefore. So we tell, he tells us, let us fear. Let us labor. The Bible says in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. And then we see that reference of let us made once again in verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Now you not, may not enjoy, to eat, enjoy eating lettuce, <laughs> but there's a lot of lettuces in this uh, passage. Okay, that was a joke. You guys can lighten up a little bit. Okay, uh, sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a wall. I know you're there. So um, uh, you, there we go. We got some smiles. Some of you, that's maybe the first smile we've gotten all evening. So um, the Bible tells us here in verse 18. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Here's that reference made once again. And we're going to dig into this a little bit deeper. 
Israel, the Bible tells us, they had faith in God to bring them out of Egypt, but they lacked the faith in God to bring them uh, into Canaan, the promised land. And so the Bible tells us that God's rest remained in them. That is to say, they did not lose their salvation, which they received from God. They did not lose their rest, which they were given from God. But what they lost was their blessing. Amen? What they lost was the blessing. So what, we, what you have to understand of this passage and the many references to the word rest that are made here, there is a rest speaking of our salvation rest. But there's also a rest that we have in Jesus Christ as we are obedient and faithful to him that he gives to us great blessing. And may I say, for Christians, sometimes we miss out on that blessing. We miss out on that rest. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. Don't misunderstand this passage. The Bible tells us that the children of Israel, they did not lose their salvation, but they lacked faith in God. It was because of their unbelief. So where they were given rest, salvation, out of the Egypt, we've been given rest, salvation from sin. The Bible tells us we can continue in that rest as we stay obedient and faithful to him. But we lose that blessing when we stop believing. We lose that blessing when there is unbelief. And we're not just talking about... Um, just uh, anything more than believing that God is able. Believing that God can bring you through that situation. Believing that God can answer that prayer. Believing that God can bless that ministry. Believing that God can win that family member to Christ. Believing that God can use you to do things which you never thought he could do. The Bible tells us God has given us rest through salvation. But there is another step of rest which we can receive from him as we continue to trust and believe that he is able. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm chapter 34. We're going to be moving around here a little bit more. Psalm chapter 34 and verse number 8. Psalm 34 and verse 8. The Bible says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye uh, his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Turn with me now to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 1. Many of us know these verses. We've quoted them many of times. We're talking about the rest which we can have from God. Where does that rest come from? It comes from an individual who's trusting, that is believing in God. They have faith in God through obedience, through living the Christian life. In Psalm 1, in verse 1 through 3, the Bible says, Blessed is the man. That is to say, this person is blessed when they do these things. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Here's what the Christian individual should be doing if they're going to find rest in God after salvation. The Bible says your delight is going to be in the law of the Lord, and in his law will you be meditating day and night. 
it means you're not going to be sitting and spending time with the ungodly. You're not going to be standing or walking together with the ungodly. It means you're going to be living in obedience and faithfulness to God. The Bible tells us that where the children of Israel went wrong is they stopped believing. And they lost the blessing. They were not the blessed man. The Bible says the blessed man is the man who holds, he delights himself in God's law. He delights himself in God's instructions, amen? In God's Christian manual for life, all right? The word of God. He, he delights himself in God's commands, in God's will, in God's purpose. Do we always understand why God does things in life? No. God has a purpose in all things, and it's us choosing to believe that God will bring us uh, through all things. But the, the, the issue here that we're trying to highlight is that many Christians miss out on that rest in God because they stop believing. They stop believing. And so uh, that's why we see, if you still have your finger in Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 3, for we which have believed do enter into his rest. We see that the Christian that believes in God by faith, he enters into rest. But there is that continuing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, makes further reference to this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What will happen? In the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And if we were to, to put it in terms where we can clearly understand, when you think on these things, when these things are a part of your life, the Bible says you become then the blessed man, who where you once believed in Christ by faith and trust in him, you received that rest to begin with. You're now receiving a continual rest in Christ. Romans chapter 1 says we live a life of faith to faith. That means we receive God by faith. We continue to live the Christian life through faith. And so the Bible tells us here in um, Hebrews chapter 4 that when we believe we receive that rest and there's yet a continuing uh, we've all probably heard of Warren Wiersbe, very famous uh, writer and commentator. He said this concerning this passage. It is by believing that we enter into his rest. It is by obeying God by faith and surrendering to his will that the rest enters us. So we understand that we enter into God's rest by salvation. But his rest enters into us, that is the blessing. When we live in obedience and faithfulness to him. If you look back, if hopefully you still have your finger in Hebrews chapter 4. As we start to tear apart uh, this passage in better understanding, the Bible tells us that first principle. What should we be doing if we're entering into God's rest? First of all, the Bible tells us, verse 1, let us therefore, what? Fear. Let us fear. We're not talking about a shriveling in I'm scared type of, type of fear. We're talking about a fear in God. What does it mean to fear God? 
It means you know who God is, all that he's done for you, and you now are responding in your life and doing what you're doing out of love for Christ. Knowing who God is, all that he's done for you, and you're loving him because of it. You're doing what you're doing because of love. That's fearing God. Fearing God is, is uh, understanding that he is worthy, and we are unworthy. It's seeing that Jesus uh, is better than. It's seeing that Jesus is better than the angels, that Jesus is better than all creation, than man himself, that we should not neglect so great a salvation, but we must give more earnest heed. It is seeing that we are partakers of the heavenly calling, as we've already referenced too, and we have that spiritual unity with the Savior. That is a fear in God, the Bible tells us. Let us therefore now fear God. You understand who God is in his person. Fear him. Fear the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 through 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Psalm chapter 11, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39. The Bible says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, that is to say, nothing in this world shall be able to separate us from the love of God. The Bible tells us that God will never stop loving us. And so the Christian who is finding his rest in God himself will never stop loving God. Amen? Will never stop fearing God. Fearing God is such a reverential love for God and acknowledgement of who he is you're not doing what you're doing in the Christian life because you feel obligated, because you feel pressured, because your pastor told you to, because your parents told you to. You're doing it because you love God. The Bible tells us, fear the Lord. And notice verse 2, the Bible tells us, you cannot fear the Lord until you first understand what it means to rest in God. In verse 2, it tells us that this rest is an available rest. It's an available rest. Verse 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. That is, he's saying the good news of Jesus Christ, salvation, has been given to us. It's been preached to us. And who's the them? That's the children of Israel. He says it was preached to them. Yes, they had God's salvation, God's rest out of Egypt. The Bible says it's an available rest. Notice it continues, but the word preached did not profit them. They heard what they should do, in continuing to live the Christian life, but it didn't profit them. That is to say, they didn't want it. It had no value to them. Preaching God's word, huh, I don't need that. Resting God, trusting in him, huh, giants in the land. God's, yeah, sure, there's, there's giant clusters. Uh, yeah, sure, there's, there's all of uh, those wonderful vegetables and fruits and food to, to live on, but giants in the land? that God is really going to bring us through? The Bible tells us the children of Israel, it didn't profit them. The gospel was preached to us. The gospel was preached to them. Here you have the choice, just like the children of Israel did, to receive that available rest from God. Understand he's talking about that available rest is first that good news of Jesus Christ, the salvation itself. But as we continue through the passage, he makes reference to that other layer of rest, the blessing of God, as I've been making reference to. 
And so we see that this is an available rest. Number two, it's a mutual rest. A mutual rest. In verse three, the word of God says, for we have believed, uh, for we which have believed do enter into rest. That's a salvation rest which we have. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place, notice the Bible says, in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Notice the Bible says that there was a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And the Bible says, and this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. In other words, the Bible tells us that the rest that God entered into, catch this, the rest that God entered into when he created all the world, when he finished creation, the Bible says on the seventh day he rested. That rest, that blessing of rest has been made available to you and I. Amen? The Bible tells us that God makes his rest available to us. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest and unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Bible tells us, that when you get saved, there is a rest that comes into your heart. But as you continue to live the Christian life, the Bible says God makes a further rest available to you. And it's that same rest which he had on the very day of salvation. So when the Bible says that there is a rest in a certain place, that's a rest which God has. The Bible says in that place again, that's the rest that we can have. We can have it in God himself. And notice the Bible says this is also an unlimited rest. In verse 6 through 7, the Bible says, Seeing therefore, it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying, In David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Notice verse 6, the Bible says, It remaineth that some must enter therein. That is to say, this this rest is unlimited. The rest of God, it's not limited to just one generation. The Bible says David also spoke of this. In other words, here's what the writer is saying. The children of Israel had rest offered to them by God. Okay? And they chose not to believe that God could give them that rest. God did not say, oh, I'm no longer going give, to give any of my people rest anymore. God did not take away salvation available for all mankind. The Bible tells us that rest is still available. And that's why he makes reference to David. He says David himself in his generation could receive. And as he already made reference to, he said, we've been preached the gospel. It's available to us. It's not limited. Some people would argue with this passage and say, well, it's saying that God's salvation is limited to a certain number or group of people that's not true amen the bible tells us that god's salvation is for all people some people would say oh well god can only save those who are jews that's not true the bible says that god's salvation is for all people for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be 
saved. The Bible tells us God's salvation is offered for all. So it's not limited. It's unlimited, the Bible says. It remaineth that some must enter therein, verse 6 says. God allows the rest to remain available for you and I, for all mankind to receive the rest of salvation, the rest of that blessing. And we see also that it is a perfect rest. Verse 8, the Bible says, For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. So, he made first reference to the rest which remaineth, that being salvation, which anyone can receive. In verse 8, he now says, there remaineth a rest to, does it say the unsaved? The people who aren't of God's people? Who does it say? There remaineth a rest to who? The people of God. God's people. I'm trying to prove to you once again, and so is the writer, that God says, Yes, you receive salvation, but hey, are you receiving further rest in God? Are you believing in what God can do in your life? And let me take that a step further, in Community Bible Church. Amen? The Bible tells us that there is a rest that remains for God's people to receive. Are you receiving of that rest? And that brings us back to that overall thought where he says, let us therefore fear if you're fearing God, you have a full understanding of who he is, what rest you can enter into, and so therefore uh, you, you are now fearing the Lord in your own individual life. Uh, I know I'm, the time is working against me here. Let me just step into the second point here, and then we'll close. The Bible says in verse 11, let us labor, therefore. He says, let us fear. Number two, let us labor, therefore. Who are we laboring for? We're laboring for the Lord. The Bible says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. How do you receive, as one of God's people, that further rest and or blessing in your life? The Bible tells us, labor. That word labor, if you're taking notes, means to make haste. Get involved. <laughs> Get busy. Get put into action. Do something. Labor. Put some work into it. Okay? Uh, <laughs> Uh, my wife has just gone through labor. Right? Uh, there's a work that's involved within it. We understand that very idea of labor. There's some work that's involved in the Christian life. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Miller, I thought you said rest. Yes, in order to receive that rest, that peace of God which passes all understanding, that love of Christ, the Bible tells us, which will never be any less. The Bible tells us that blessing from God can be received further in your life. As you labor, you're not having a spirit of unbelief, but you're fearing God and you're laboring for the Lord. You're making haste. You might use the word being passionate or being zealous. Does that describe you in your Christian life? That you're making haste, getting busy for God? Christian, are you getting busy with the gospel? Amen? Are we getting busy with the gospel? Are we getting it out all that we can? Are we making the time available to do it? It doesn't happen until you determine to do it. You labor for God. Get zealous for him. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God says, we don't do good works to receive salvation, for by grace are you saved through faith. The Bible says we are his workmanship, 
So when we receive salvation, because of love, because he loved us, so we love him, and because of love and fearing him, now we labor. <laughs> the works don't produce the salvation. The works come out of the salvation. Amen? The Bible says, let us labor for the Lord. James chapter 2, verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? The Bible tells us as a Christian individual, we're staying laboring, faithful to God. So we'll continue here in next week, but understand the Bible tells us we must fear the Lord, and we must labor, therefore. Christian, are you finding that rest in Christ? We're not talking about salvation itself. We're talking about the blessing and letting God bring the blessing into your life. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to receive all of these things as nothing more than your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts that we would put into action what you have spoken to us about. Christian, I just want to pray for you tonight. If God has spoken to you this evening and say, Pastor Miller, 